Hello everybody, you're very, very welcome to this really special occasion here in Scarif. We're here to celebrate the launch of the Scarif Martyrs, War, Murder and Memory in East Clare, a book written by our great friend, neighbour, colleague and historian Tomás McInmara. I want in particular to welcome uh, the Mayor of Clare County Council, uh, PJ Ryan, who's here with us this evening, and all of you who have come here. Um, Tomás is a man that we all know for his commitment to his locality, his passion for his subject, his reverence for story and for storyteller. That alone is a potent mix, but when you add that to his academic rigour and intellectual clarity, you have something very powerful indeed. But better people than me are going to talk about Tomás this evening. So on a practical note, I just want to um, let you know a couple of things that are going to happen this evening. Um, most importantly, I suppose the great the book is down in the hall, in the, in, the, in the GAA hall. So when we're finished here, you can go down there and have a look at the book and purchase your copies. There is a one-way system, so if you go in through the front and out the back, uh, if you don't mind wearing your masks when you're indoors, I mean, you all know at this stage how to behave safely in crowds. We're going to do our best here to make it a comfortable evening as well as a safe one. There will be lots of opportunity to talk to Tomás, of course. Um, we're going to do as much of it as we can outdoors, but there will be an indoor element as well. Um, I'm going to call now um, on Jim Collins, who is from the Committee of Scarif GAA, just to say a couple of words of welcome to you. Thank you very much, Paula. Uh, on behalf of Scarif GAA Club, I would like to welcome everybody here this evening. It's great to see such a large crowd. Great to see the stand full and no match on. But we're, um, we're very, very proud here in Scarif, first of all, that Tomás has wanted to launch the book here in our ground at our clubhouse. Uh, I suppose the Scarif Martyrs, two of the Scarif Martyrs were club members here. And, you know, families still live in the area. And it's always been a very, very important uh, happening and memory uh, what happened to the Scarif Martyrs and I suppose memory is a great thing too with, with GAA and with hurling um, I see lots of people from many different clubs around the stand here today and we all have loads of memories going back uh, of matches played and matches won and matches lost and it's, it's a very very important thing it gives us something to talk about Tomás has really brought memory alive in East Clare over the last number of years, culminating in this book. So, without any further ado, just to formally, on behalf of Scarif GA Club, welcome you all here today and hope you have a most enjoyable evening. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Uh, now, I'm going to welcome here for a couple of words Councillor Pat Hayes. Pat is a man with a deep interest in tradition and history as well, and more important than that, he's been a great friend of Tomás McInmara's over the years and a great advocate for Tomás's work. And as Jim says, one of the most important things that Tomás has done 
through his academic work and his commitment to history and to locality, is to make us all think about the role of memory and how important our stories are and the way we tell them, as well as the way that they are told on a national and international scale. And I think Pat Hayes has a very deep understanding of just what Tomás has been trying to do over the last good number of years. So please give Pat a welcome as he says a few words. Uh, you're all very welcome here this evening and we're very delighted to have a, a fine crowd here this evening. And it isn't Bradford and Scarif, it isn't Tulla and Fiekel, it isn't Killanina. They're all actually out in the field at the same time. We don't know who's winning, but we know some lost today. But uh, I suppose I've been a friend of Tomás's for a good number of years. And um, we've been involved in the East Clare Memorial Committee. And I've been involved for the last uh, 30 years uh, here with, I see, May and all our good friends involved in commemorating the Scarif Martyrs and the coming the man in the memorial park and all that historical element of our independence. And it's great that we have an opportunity to come here and celebrate and remember, particularly the Scarif Martyrs. And I think when you think about the Scarif Martyrs and you think about the memory and the people that talked about them, your own families, your own friends, people that knew them, people that knew the story a hundred years ago. Uh, last November, they were buried here in, in Scarif Graveyard. A hundred years ago. Not a lot, but it has shaped our history and it has shaped our country. And it has shaped the freedom we have here today, where we can gather here in Scarif GA and remember the four Scarif martyrs. But the important issue about it is having the right one to collect it and the right person to tell the story. And no one more fitting than Tomás Makamara because his invaluable research and his documentation and research and recording of key people across East Clare and further afield has been paramount to this story. Talking to Paddy Gleeson, Margaret High, John Michael Tobin and several other people that I could name that were witness to this terrible time here in Ireland. And having his own unique way of researching and making the people comfortable to talk about it. I always recall Margaret High and her story had never really talked about what happened a hundred years ago. And it's like the famine. We brush these things under the counter and don't talk about them. Yes, it's part of our history. And it's time for us to talk about our history. And it's time that it is recorded on, on book format. And the real opportunity has been by Tomás growing up in Ballymalone, in Shilog, Corrigano, all those lovely townlands talking to his neighbours, Joe Fitz, Jimmy Welsh, all those characters, and even further afield. But that grounded him where he is today, and suddenly realised the value of recording and memory. When an old person dies, a library burdens. 
That is a statement that has been made by many, but no truer than about the Scarif Martyrs. And you are a unique group of people that are here this evening, a hundred years on from the death of the Scarif Martyrs, to witness, which will be in the analogues of history for years to come, the book on the Scarif Martyrs. And those four brave men that lost their lives down on the bridge in Killaloo will always be remembered while people like Tomás are around. But it's the next generation that needs to carry that on and remember those wonderful people and remember all the people around them to continue the fight. Yes, we might have achieved, we have achieved a lot. And politics is a game again today and yesterday at the national level. And I applaud President Michael D. Higgins for his stance. It mightn't be the right thing to say. People mightn't think it's politically correct to say it here, but it has to be said, because it's not an equal Ireland yet. But the Scarif Martyrs and their friends and comrades fought for what we have here today. And we are, and I'm very honoured and humbled to be asked to speak here this evening and to be part of this journey of recording and memory and be part of the committee. And I remember the day that May said to me, you'll come down to us. I was coming down from the mountain, May. It's a good part of the country, Kilanina. Never let down the side. But since I've got involved, I've met a great friend and great friends. And the passion and the importance. And we remember all those that have gone before us that partook in our celebrations in the remembrance of the Scarf Martyrs. We think of Dan. We think of all the people that are gone, our own families that were part of this. But there's a new generation come. I see young Morris up here in the stand. So this is a great evening for you. You'll carry the can going forward. Maybe I was supposed to mention more people. I didn't write any notes. But I truly and passionately believe we have a wonderful man in our community, Tomás McElmara. And congratulations and congratulations, Tomás, and well done. And I've no doubt this will be a huge success. Tomás is well recognised on the international and national stage, but he's a local hero to us all here. We love you, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Pat. Now, the Scarif Martyrs, that's the name by which we know the four lads around here. But as Tomás says in his, books, in his book, there are three areas uh, where, which are sites of memory for that whole story. There's here, there's Whitegate, and there's also Killaloo, of course. And there are a number of songs that have remained in our memories uh, over those hundred years. The Scarif Martyrs is one of them. We'll have more of, about that later. But another really interesting and fantastically written song is The Four Who Fell, and it was written by Jack Noonan from Killaloo. It was recorded back in 1967 by the Shannon Folk, and we're delighted to have three members of the Shannon Folk here with us today, Jack Hogan, Mick Scanlon, and Mike Quigley. Um, I'd also like to remember their two colleagues and good friends, John Grimes and Tony Lees, who were also members of the Shannon Folk and who very sadly died within a short space of each other just last December and last January. But let us call now on the Shannon Folk to sing The Four Who Fell. Thank you. 
One dark and dreary November day When the hills were hidden by shrouds of grey A lone bird sang on a leafless tree And the sang of a death and of victory The sun went down like a bloody ball The lake lay stark neat a purple pall As for young rebels they weary down in the lakeside mansion near Willemstown. Those soldiers of the East Clare Brigade slept short that night they had been betrayed. A martyr's crown is a glorious thing But the crown of gold serves the English king For wailing of waters and weeping sky To kill a lewd ever brought to die and the kill by the shining side no it's greatest shame and this greatest pride for he shattered the dark of night as the rifles roared over crackless heights And the flung a threat on the hills of Clare That died away on the trembling air McMahon Rogers again their dust is one with their native clay From prisoning earths are their spirits free As the soul of Ireland should ever be to kill Lude, they were brought to die In Scarf Churchyard their bodies lie Let you owe them your liberty Pray that their souls may rest peacefully.
Uh, thanks a million to Jack and to Mick and to Mike for that. It's, it's a wonderful song and Jack Noonan was a wonderfully talented writer and friend of, of the lads and especially Mick Scanlon. I've had great chats with Mick over the years about uh, the writing of Jack Noonan and that is a wonderful encapsulation of the story of the Scarif Martyrs. The Scarf Martyrs song itself, I suppose, was made famous uh, not just by being kept in the memory here for a hundred years, but back in the 1960s, there was a young guy called Christy Moore who came to live uh, and work in East Clare, in Tulla specifically. And in Teddy Murphy's pub in Tulla, he learnt that song as well. Uh, Christy couldn't be with us this evening, but we do have a, a recorded message from him, which Matt is going to play now. Tomas, this is Christy here. Sorry I couldn't be with you this evening. Um, I'd love to be there, but uh, I'm under doctor's orders at the moment, so I'm lying low. I hope you have a great launch, and I hope everything works out. And, uh, oh, if you were at the funeral, it was a dreadful sight. To see on hundred clergymen and the other a stopping white. The day will come when all will know who sold their lives away. Of young MacMahon and Rogers, brave Egan and Tilde. That is lovely. I don't know if it's the song itself, but um, I've never heard a singer sing it who doesn't sing it with passion and commitment. Now, there is another great bard of Ireland who uh, can't be with us this evening, but he is a man who is also deeply interested in history and tradition and the songs that carry our history and tradition and indeed how local people tell their own stories as well. And that's the great Damien Dempsey. And Damien has also sent a message for this evening. This is Damien Dempsey here. And I want to wish Tomas the very best of luck with his incredible book, The Scar of Martyrs. Mass more, Tomas. It's, it's, it's amazing uh, piece of work. Um, and history and um, I think for people to know who they are they have to know who they were and I think uh, if the young people of Ireland knew what their, what their people had been through before them it would give them more strength and resolve to weather their own storms you know so uh, I met Tomas about 13 years ago after a gig in Ennis and um, we got on famously and uh, he man after my own heart you know I think it's very important for us to pass on what we know to the younger generation. So, Massimo, Tomas, and um, the, 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 the very best of luck with the book. Um, keep up the great work, brother. True Damien Dempsey style there, that's lovely. Now, um, there have been people who've sung this song over the years, uh, the great Joe Fitzgerald now living in Australia who first heard it from John Joe Geeran in Babas in Timgraney, Christy who you heard singing a verse of it there and, and managed to bring about a particular quality of silence when he did it, Pat O'Neill who has sung it year after year at the commemoration uh, at Easter every year, 
at the graveside in the church in Scariff. And it's very fitting that this evening, Alan Hogan, also from Tumgraney, uh, is going to sing us the Scariff Martyrs. So, Alan, if you'd like to come up to us. The dreadful news through Ireland has spread from shore to shore. For such a deed no living man has ever heard before. The deeds of Cromwell in his time I'm sure no worse could do. Then those black and tans who murdered those for youths in Killaloo. Three of the four were on the run and searched for all around. Until with this brave gun in Williamstown was found. They asked him where the boys inside To the rebels he proved true And because he would not sell the pass He was shot in Killaloo On the 16th of November That day of sad renown they were sold and traced through Galway to that house in Williamstown. They never got a fighting chance, but were captured while asleep. And the way that they ill-treated them, should would cause your blood to creep. They shackled them both hands and feet In twines they could not break And brought them down to Killaloo By steamer on the lake Without clergy, judge or jury on That bridge they shot them down and their blood flowed with the Shannon, convenient to the town. They threw them in a lorry like cinders in a heap, and brought them to the barrackyard, and there some days it keep. They kept them closely guarded there, so no one could them see, not even those that reared them up from their infancy. With three days of perseverance, their bodies they let go. At 10 p.m. their funeral passed through alone. They were kept in scar of chapel for two nights and a day. Now in that place of rest they lie, kind people for them pray. Well, if you were at their funeral, sure it was an awful sight. To see the local clergy and they all dressed up in white. 
such a sight of these brave martyrs in one grave was never seen for they died to save the flag of love the orange white and green well now that they are dead and gone i hope in peace they'll rest like all brave irish martyrs forever among the blessed the day will come when all will know who sold their lives away of young mcmahon and rogers brave egan and kilday That was fantastic, Alan. You're up there with Christy now. Thank you so much. A great song and a great rendition of it there. Now, um, it gives me great pleasure to call on the next person to actually launch the Moss McAnmara's book. Liz, historian Liz Gillis is currently the Decade of Centenaries Historian in Residence with South Dublin County Council. She's a lecturer, she's a prolific writer, um, as a historian, she specialises in the Irish Revolutionary period and really interestingly as well, she was also a tour guide for many a long year in Kilmainham and she's an artist and an animator. That is a fantastic combination of skills and art and talent to bring to the, to the wonderful uh, world of history. With books to her credit like the, the Revolution in Dublin, The Fall of Dublin, Richmond Barracks 1916 and there are loads more as well but from those titles you can see that Liz is a powerful advocate of telling the national story from a local perspective and as such who could be more suited to launching Tomás's book today. Please welcome historian Liz Gillis. Jeez, there's no pressure there. Uh, thanks for that introduction. Um, so, good evening, everyone. And uh, I would just like to say it's a huge, huge honour for me uh, that Tomás asked me to launch his latest book, The Scar of Martyrs, War, Murder and Memory in East Clare. Um, I first met Tomás in January 2019, um, just before Time of the Hands was published. Tomás was up in Dublin and we met for a coffee in town and anyone listening in to our conversation might have been a bit wary or they might have wanted to call the police because it was all about ambushes, assassinations and executions in Clare and Dublin. It was like we were comparing notes um, during the War of Independence. And while Tomás was delighted that time of the tans was about to hit the bookshops, um, he was enthusiastically talking about his next project, which was one that was clearly close to his heart, and that is the Scarif Martyrs book. Now, as you can tell from this accent, I'm not from Clare. Um, I knew very little about the Scarif Martyrs. I vaguely knew the story. But the way Tomás told the story was so vivid, it oozed out of them. It was like he had been there. It was like he was actually witness to the events that happened on the night of the 16th November 1920. And not only did he talk about what happened to the four lads, he talked about the impact this event had on the community, 
how he had met people who knew them and he, that he had recorded their stories. Now, I was hooked and I wanted to know more and I knew he was definitely onto a winner with this story. This book isn't the product of three or five years research in libraries. Um, Tomas, you can tell, he walked the streets, he met the people, he listened to the people and he really captured the stories. This book has been 17 years in the making and in that time, as I said, he has walked the very footsteps of those who are in this book. Um, more importantly, it's amazing when you think that how young Tomas was when he made that decision to ask people in his community to talk to him, to tell him about those events that happened all those years ago. Um, and also to talk about their memories and how they felt and how they remember them. Um, we've not been so lucky in the decade of centenaries uh, to have had so much material released from the archives, especially the likes of military archives and UCD. Um, I think Tomas will agree with me in terms of the military archives. They are the gift that keeps on giving. With the Bureau of Military History witness statements and more recently the military service pension files, um, they are just revealing so much history. Um, in UCD, we have the transcribing of the Ernie O'Malley notebooks, and these are a huge, huge resource. And these records have brought to light so much new information, and through these records, we hear the voices of the ordinary rank-and-file volunteers and, and coming them on. The Irish Revolution didn't happen because of the big names like Collins and Eamon de Valera. It happened because ordinary men and women decided to take a stand together. And what the Decade of Centenaries has also shown is that there is a huge appetite from the people, from the public, to want to know more about what happened at that time. And not just in terms of the big stories, but the history in their localities, in their communities. Now, while we have such a wealth of material at our fingertips, those records only tell part of the story. And what is missing from the narrative is the voice of the ordinary people. Those men, women and children who lived through these turbulent times. Sadly, they only make the records if they die. Or in the case of the American Commission or the Labour Commission in 1920, they're part of a tribunal, an official tribunal. But they're not part of the general narrative. There will only be a handful of testimonies in the BMH witness statements and the O'Malley notebooks of those civilians, of those ordinary men and women. And what these records tend to miss, the official records tend to miss, is the emotional impact these events had on the civilians. But the civilians have a rich story to tell. What was it like to live at this time? How was everyday life affected? And as I said, the American Commission and Labour Commissions interviewed people to find out what was happening on the ground. But in rigid official conditions, you don't necessarily get that emotion, that rawness. And while there, have been, there may not have been as much importance put in recording their testimonies, the testimonies of the civilians, how many people themselves actually want to talk to official uh, repositories or official archives about what happened. For many, it was too painful to talk about those events. Um, if there was anyone that was interested, 
would they be trusted enough to be told those stories? Thankfully, in this case, we had a person that wanted to get down these stories, that was trusted enough by those people, and he is sitting here tonight, and it is Tomas McConmara, who, as a youngster, realised how important these stories were. He knocked on the doors, he listened, and the people responded, and what he got was gold, and the results of which are in this amazing book. Now, early last year, Tomas sent me the prologue uh, to, the, 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 to this book. Um, I found a text I sent him after reading it, and I'll quote, I'll, I'll leave out the expletives. Um, I said, ah, Tomas, I've only read the first page, and you've done it again. I can smell the turf on the fire, I can feel the heat from, and I'm wondering who is knocking at the door. This book literally grabs you from the opening words. When Tomas sent me the draft, I couldn't put it down. Tomas is a wonderful gift of telling the story. I felt like I was in Claire, watching from the sidelines. At one stage, I didn't want to turn the page because I thought if, with the end coming, if I didn't turn the page, they wouldn't bring them to the bridge. They would be all right. Stupid, I know, but that's the way I felt. It's a truly remarkable talent to be able to make the reader feel like they are witnesses to these events as they unfold. And up to the start of the decade centenaries, the study of the Irish Revolution focused on the big events like Bloody Sunday and Born in the Cork. But it is every, or sorry, but every community has a story which fits into the bigger picture. Tomás has not only placed the Scarf Martyrs in the national story, he's also shown how communities all across the country were affected by events that happened elsewhere. The story of the Scarf Martyrs got lost on a national level because of the events that took place in Dublin five, year, five days later, after the four men were murdered, and that was, of course, Bloody Sunday. The events that, uh, that day took over everything. So we have Michael Collins sent now his assassins to shoot the British agents in various addresses all across Dublin City. We also have a connection again with Claire on that day. Um, one of those shot, John Joseph Fitzgerald, he was shot by the IRA previously in Scarif and was up in Dublin. Um, we have the shootings of the civilians in Crow Park at the match. That was the only thing that was meant to dominate the newspapers that day. Who won the match between Dublin and Tipperary? But of course, the auxiliaries, the Crown Force, went out to Crow Park after the events that morning and then shot into the crowds, wounding and killing many. And it didn't end there. Now, the thing is, is that on the 20th of November, after the funerals took place, you have Edward McGlyce and Connor Clune, who made their way to Dublin. And Clune was going to Vaughan's Hotel in Parnell Square uh, to meet Pierce Beasley to discuss Gaelic League business. Sadly, that hotel was raided that night by F Company Auxiliaries who are based in Dublin Castle. And Connor Clune was taken into custody and brought back to Dublin Castle. He would also be arrested where Dick McKee, the Commandant of the Dublin Brigade of the IRA, and Padder Clancy, his one-time Vice Commandant. The following night, after the morning's events, so 21st November 1920, Bloody Sunday happens. There was not enough revenge with the shootings at Crow Park. That night, after the events that morning, the auxiliaries sated their appetite for revenge finally, when Dick McKee, Paddock Clancy, who was, of course, another Clare man, and Connor Clune were murdered in the guardroom. 
and the official statement from the castle was they were shot trying to escape. Within five days, Claire had lost six sons. I don't want to go on too much longer, but I would like to say a huge congratulations to Tomas by writing, for writing yet another wonderful book. I thought Time of the Tans couldn't be outdone, but I was wrong. The Scarf Martyrs is exceptional. You, have just, you haven't just told the true story of what happened to Martin Gilday, Michael Brood McMahon, Alfie Rogers and Michael Egan. You've shown us who they were as young men. These are not one-dimensional characters. And more importantly, through your passion for telling the local story, you've recorded the testimonies of the ordinary men and women of Scarif and Killaloo and the surrounding areas. Because of that passion to record their stories, to get down those stories, and the fact that they trusted you to tell their stories, you've told the community story. The loss and pain felt as a result of the deaths of the four men was not just felt by their families, it affected the entire community. And that is what you have captured in this book. You have the great ability as an historian Tomas, to bring the local story into mainstream academia. You are greatly respected by both the public and academics alike, and you make history accessible to all. And to everyone here this evening, firstly, thank you for coming to the launch. And more importantly, and I can't stress this enough, don't buy one book, buy at least two, if not three, because if you lend it, you're not going to get it back. And buy it tonight, because at least you get a signed copy. Um, the Scarf Martyrs, it is a page turner, and you will feel all the tension, you will feel all the pain, you will feel all the sorrow, and you will cry, but it is worth it. Tomas, you truly have done a remarkable job. Thanks to you, the Scarif Martyrs are no longer a footnote in the national story. You have placed them and this community in their rightful place. And I know you were disappointed that the book couldn't be launched last year, the centenary, due to COVID. But to be honest, I think that if it had have been launched last year, like 100 years ago, it would have been lost in this commemorations, the centenary events. So it is better that it's actually happening 101 years later. Because as we all know, the centenaries aren't just the important dates. It is not just important to remember them 100 years on. We need to remember them 101 years on, 102 years on, and remember them forever and ever. The people of these communities remember those four boys the year after and for the years that followed, and you're following in their footsteps. But by writing this book, you have ensured that the whole country and beyond will never forget the names of the four who fell. Martin Gilday, Michael Brood McMahon, Alfie Rogers and Michael Egan. And just one more thing I would like to say on a personal note, Tomas, you are a, a great friend. You are an amazing historian. Um, we're all going to enjoy tonight, but one person who should enjoy tonight and deserves to enjoy tonight is you. Thank you so, so much for writing this book. Thank you. That might be the best book launch I've ever heard. That was fantastic. And I think 
that we can all see that Tomas has found a sister here, a sister historian. That's brilliant. Now, the man of the moment, let's call Tomas McInmara to the stand for a few words and give him a huge round of applause. Gormila Mahagriv, Tashitanosagum le Blienta, Tosnuyen of Lenkind, Askailge, Agasistoigo Wilshe, Gohumlani Gart, Conan Gailge, Vahanusad, Umran Ona, Nurhamid Kind Fui Martirignisgarev, Nurhamid Kind Fui Alfi Makruri, Mihal Makiegon, Martin Makilade, Mihal Brod, Makmohuna, Mar Vian Gailge Larnak in Ahail, Devi Michael. Makia Gane Gobberle, Eamon Mikilisakta, Tum Grena, Sanua Gueltert, V. Gaelge Creelor in Michael Brod McMahon, Visha Creelor in Alfie Rogers, Visha Creelor in Martin Makilade, Agus Tashe Tavacht doing, Tashe Pranak doing, Conan Maid Shin, a Queen Nu, Marnir Oshid, Extrakalter Sun, Sirsha Politula Wan, Nu Sirsha Akdemirta, Nu Sirsha. Taluin, Axirsha Kultura, Umlan, Agasnura Kholamur on Nekera, Kholamur Saidori Ohev on Kultur, Kama Lish on Tir. Oh, I, I was, I had a number of things I was going to say. I started scribbling things down as, as people were speaking because I was really uh, put back by what my great friends here have said and, and the way. All of the singers sung. Uh, I, I'm just really, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm put back a little bit because it's, it's so powerful to see the interest. It's so powerful to feel the emotion, to feel the pride of the story, and it's poignant. I think, as I was listening to Alan sing, in particular in the context of the Scarif side of the story, that as he was singing that song so powerfully those airs were going up over the hill there behind us and over the grave of the four men uh, and I think to be that close to them tonight as we launch the book is uh, is somehow appropriate and in, in the list of people I have to thank I want to first uh, extend gratitude to Scarif Harland Club because I've been blown away by the support they've given uh, to, to us in the East Lair Memorial Committee uh, and to the story and um, you know for me who somebody who who wants to encourage people to remember uh, it's so uh, powerful to see how engaged Scarif are in in their own uh, story I want to thank Paula Carroll um, because Paula is here knitting this whole thing together so beautifully as she does but you know there's been very nice uh, and unworthy things said to, about me tonight but we are so lucky in the communities of East Clare to have Paula Carroll because she's at the heart of everything good and she's a fantastic friend of mine and uh, I'm honoured to know you Paula and I'm so proud to have you standing here tonight with us as well I want to thank Mary Feehan who's up there sorry 
I want to thank Mary Feehan uh, and my publishers in Mercier Press uh, for their support. Mary was nearly having to get into the car yesterday from Cork and head up to Dublin to collect books, but we got it worked out in the end anyway. But I'm grateful to you, Mary, for supporting me uh, with the Time of the Tens and with the Scarf Martyrs here as well. Uh, to Dee Collins, who's a, a white gate girl who, who works at Mercier and has been given great support, and to uh, Deirdre Roberts as well for, for help with promotion. Another thing that struck me tonight, um, or today actually as I was making my way down, is that today is the 18th of September and I met Tony Mugovan there earlier on and I said to him, where was your father a hundred years ago? And where his father was, was uh, in the church uh, up the road and he was on his way into Scarif Town where he was meeting up with other comrades in the East Air Brigade to attack Scarif RIC barracks on the 18th of September. 101 years ago. Where were Alfie, Brud and Michael? They were inside in the house in Scarif waiting for comrades to come from all across the East Clare Brigade area to coordinate the attack on that barracks. And it was a result of that night they became wanted men. Up until that point they had managed to conceal their IRA activism. So this night 101 years ago they revealed themselves to the British Crown as rebels against British rule and it is meaningful to think about that because I suppose in some ways their final days began 101 years ago that night but they consciously decided to reveal themselves they made that decision for other people they made that decision for not alone Scarif not alone Clare but across the entire country and I want to support Pat Hayes and to support uh, and to place my public support for what it's worth to Uthran Nehaird and Michael D. Higgins because partition has been, uh, partition has offered nothing to this country apart from pain and division. And when Alfie and the boys were buried up in that grave, a mother was bereaved in Derry when her son, John McSweeney was shot dead around about the same time the boys were buried. Now that was a dairy man shot on Irish ground. That was a dairy mother grieving on Irish ground. And she grieved on the same ground as the mothers grieved here. And there is no difference between the ground that's beneath our lorry here tonight or that in Derry. So partition in my lifetime, I hope to see the end of it. And I support Uchtaran Michael D. Higgins for that. I won't stay too much longer, but just to say a few more thanks. Um, three years ago, as I said, I, I, I launched the Time of the Tens, and there's been something bugging me uh, ever since that night, because I, I'm a, an awful man for, 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 for uh, remembering people who have helped me. It's very important, I feel, to, be to have gratitude for those who have supported you over the years, and there's too many, obviously, to thank tonight. But I came away that night, and I only... Uh, maybe a half an hour after it all finished I realised that I never thanked uh, one of the greatest friends I have and one of the greatest supporters I have uh, in this world and that is my great friend Pat Hayes Pat has been a great friend to me for 20 years and a great and loyal and dependable colleague uh, in the East Clare Memorial Committee and people don't see the effort that Pat makes 
you know, so many meetings, so many phone calls, so much effort across 30 years. And uh, I, I, I certainly was definite. I wasn't going to forget you tonight, Pat, but you're a fantastic friend and a fantastic man. And uh, as I said, I'm proud, like I am with Paul, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to stand by your side in making sure that we commemorate uh, and we remember you're as determined as I am. So, Gramila Mahagat, Pat. May Ryan is sitting up there and May, you know, has been commemorating and coordinating, commemorating for about 165 years, I think, at this stage. But she's, she's a remarkable force in nature and, as I said, her determination to make sure it's been commemorated, especially back at a time when it wasn't uh, so popular um, or at least there were certain forces in the country that wouldn't want uh, people standing around a grave up here in Scarif, but may have continued and many other colleagues who've gone to their God continue with them. But there are others now who are helping us. My great friend and neighbour Shane Walsh, who's over in, or was over in Kilkishan this evening wearing his club jersey, which is the right place to be, um, uh, has been a great addition to our committee. Johnny McGrath is here from Killaloo. Carol Mack is here somewhere as well, who's, who's deeply involved. And Tara Brady, uh, who is Jack Hogan's granddaughter, uh, is over in America watching in, I know, as well. And it is a fantastic addition too. I've had support from the families uh, right from the beginning. And, you know, there's been, as I said, lovely things said about me tonight, but there'd be nothing in this book. I would achieve nothing for the last 20 years if I didn't get the support of people uh, if those doors weren't answered that I knocked on. Um, so there is nothing I've achieved without the support and the help of people around East Clare and around the country. So uh, I, I, in many ways, am very grateful for the praise I've gotten tonight, but it would be nothing without the determination of people to remember and the willingness of them to uh, allow me within the fold of their memory. There's a woman up in Galway who we had hoped was going to be here tonight, Kathleen Mitchell. She's in her 90s. She's the oldest living relative of any of the Scarif Martyrs. And she's the niece of Martin Gilday. And she's one of those quiet, humble country women that, you know, I suppose are, are, are all too few uh, in these days. But she's a remarkably important woman. And Kathleen, whenever you get to hear this, you know, you're a shy, humble person who doesn't think much of yourself sometimes. But you are an important person, Kathleen, and you have preserved the memory of your uncle uh, all the days of your life. And you can go when you go happy that you did your family proud in preserving your memory. So if you don't mind, I would ask you to give a huge round of applause to that beautiful woman. All of the families supported me. Um, even over in England, uh, you know, the, the, the relationship is there, it's strong, the, the connection is strong, and it will continue to be strong is my hope. The support I've gotten from the Rogers family here in Scarif is, is incredible over many, many years, and I know they're tremendously proud. The extended family, Brian Quinn, Jerry Quinn, you know, have travelled big distances to be here uh, and are massively proud of the connection to Alfie Rogers in the same way as the other families are. Uh, one of them tonight told me no uh, special mentions but um, I'm not going to listen to him because he's given me too much support too much help, too much friendship uh, over so many years and that's Mike Rogers 
Um, I know all the Rogers are proud and you're all uh, Alfie is there carrying the name proudly of, of his granduncle but Mike Rogers has been a huge support to me personally and again tremendously loyal to his family and to his heritage he's a great club man he's a great scarf man and Mike thank you very much for the support you've given me and we'll, we'll come towards the end now you'll probably be glad to hear but um, I was just, I just want to, to make the point that anything I've done, um, you know, it, it, it's always for me been more about the, the documentation of history. Um, I've always wanted to try and help shine a light on the value of our history, the value of our tradition, the value of our cultural identity. And that is something I believe we all must commit ourselves to because we all are stronger when we know our sense of identity. We're weaker when we don't. So it's been mentioned already tonight, the importance of passing on our stories. And that's all I've done. That's all I've done. It's very, very simple. Is I've listened, uh, I've inherited my cultural tradition and I've tried to pass it on. That's all I've done. And that's all we should be uh, focused on doing. I was doing an interview the other day with a man in, in, in a Dublin radio station. And at the end of it, he had a, a lovely blunt way of asking questions and he asked at the end of it, why did you do it? Why did you spend so long doing this about a local story? And I told him about my belief in the, the nature, of, the value of time, that history takes time, that, that when you get closer to the ground, you see more. And uh, that, like Patrick Kavanagh said once, that it takes a long life to understand even the corner of a field. And I believe that all those years I spent helped me to understand the history because there is a fundamental and profound difference between historical information and understanding. And understanding is something I wanted and I tried to cultivate and I hope I have. But if I understand anything, it's because people told me and people explained and described it to me. And I was fortunate enough to listen. But what I didn't say to him was that I felt a sense of responsibility uh, to tell this story and sometimes that weighed heavily enough uh, because I knew the significance of it to so, so many people and the many intersections of the story into our broader history of that area. But I think we all have to take on responsibility, particularly in relation to our tradition, to our history, to our culture. We owe responsibility to the people around us today, to our communities, but we also owe a responsibility to the people who came before us. And that responsibility needs to be taken up by the community at large so as to ensure that we pass it on to the next generation in as strong a form as we can. And if we do that, what a generation would come? Because there is a reality that there has been change in our society. There is a reality that there are many forces of commerce and fashion that would tell you that our heritage doesn't matter. But I would say to younger people in particular, do not listen to the voices that tell you, either implicitly or explicitly, that your heritage doesn't matter, that your tradition doesn't matter. Do not listen to the voices of the present that encourage you to be an individual, just. That you're the most important person in the world, just. We all have had a collective experience throughout our history. If the men we came here tonight to honour had taken that individualistic approach and if all their comrades across the country had taken an individualistic approach to life, then the occupation of our country would have continued. We have to live for ourselves, for our families, for our communities and 
to connect ourselves to the heritage that we have uh, embraced. I also want, finally, to underline the importance of the ground. And by the ground, I mean our landscape around us. Pat, myself and others have encouraged for so many years now for people to understand the landscape around them, to read the landscape around them, to know the ground under your feet. If you don't know the ground under your feet, then your steps will be unsure. And if we lose a connection with that landscape, if we don't know what we are looking at here in Scarif, we don't understand the significance of the points of our fields, roads, townlands, we'll have lost something very important in ourselves. I'll finish by referring to an old, old story. And it's about priorities. And it's about arranging the realities of our lives into a, an order whereby certain things will not be passed. I spend a lot of time reading, likely is the revolutionary period. But sometimes when I take a break from that, I'm interested in the ancient histories. And I read once about a Persian king called Darius III. And Darius III, like many kings were wont in the past, was trying to control the world. And he had one particular problem with a group of people called the Scythians. And his problem was that they refused to stand and fight. And eventually, he sent a messenger to the king in that Thyrsis, in that Thyrsis, a good killing in a name, in that Thyrsis was the king of the Scythians and he welcomed the messenger in. And the messenger asked him, why don't you stand and fight? And he said, well, I don't feel any need to fight for material things. We have no towns, we have no homes, so to speak of. So why would I endanger my people? to defend material things. But he said to the messenger, I want your king to understand that this shouldn't be confused with a fear of fighting. And in fact, he said, tell your king that if he truly wants a battle, tell him to try and get near our ancient burial grounds because there he'll get a fight. And I think in the message of that story, if we have a line in our culture in our reality beyond which no change will encroach and that line is our identity our history our culture our stories and no matter what happens we will preserve them and we will continue to have them as part of ourselves we can go as a people into modernity because tradition is not a counterpoint to modernity they can coexist but we will go into the future. The next generation will grow up into the future. And what a generation that will be. Before I finish up, I want to... The book is dedicated to my father, Dan Mack, who, is, as some of you will know, passed away a couple of years ago. And he's the man who took me in 2004 to see Paddy Gleeson when I interviewed him for the first time. And for many years when I was a child, I used to travel around with my father, uh, listening to him talking to his old neighbours down in O'Callaghan's Mills and Broadford and places like that. So I learned a lot from that simple uh, exposure of, of people talking. I want to thank my mother, Anna Mae, uh, whose, whose, whose mother danced with Michael Egan, whose uncles were at the funeral of the Scarif Martyrs who carried their coffins, and uh, all of my family, my sisters Breed and Myra, my brother Donald in New Zealand and his sons Jack and Fionn, wife Diane, and uh, 
my nephew and niece Dara and Shafra over there uh, who are fantastic young people and, and will be aware uh, of their history and tradition I have no doubt uh, I want to thank my two little people Dallin my little Dallin is such a beautiful boy and my beautiful little Shod is over there as well and they're a better representation of heritage uh, than, than I can um, conceive of and uh, I want to thank Dara, my beautiful Dara, who's been such a support to me uh, for so many years. And um, I couldn't do anything, obviously, without her. And she's no idea of her quality and her, her importance. Um, but she's, she's, um, she'll always be important to me. So thank you very much. I hope uh, I haven't forgotten anyone, but two very quick final points. Uh, Damien Dempsey and Christy Moore, I'm very proud to hear them speak about the Scarf Martyrs, about our history. Um, but I got a lovely little clip uh, the other night from Patricia Sheehan. She's there somewhere in the crowd. And it was of a man called Margie O'Connell back in Cranny. Margie's in his late 90s. And it was a short little video, only about seven seconds, where he, he thanked me for the book and he wished me well and he said he hopes that he'll see me soon um, that, those words mean as much and more to me than, than anybody um, because Margie uh, is a true representation of history and is a true representation of those people that we should listen to because we've so much uh, to learn from them so I'm sorry for going on a bit longer but to finish up uh, let it be known in the future that the people of East Clare always remember their past and they will never forget it. Gorimila Mahagwiv. Thank you all for that standing ovation for Tomas. For those of you who are listening live on Scarif Bay or who, well, those of you who are watching the live stream will have seen it. Those of you who are listening won't. Before you leave, um, I have a couple of announcements to make and we're going to finish with our Ron Avian. But while I'm making those announcements, I'm going to get Tomas and Liz to stand over there so that Alan can take a photograph of them against you, the crowd. So don't move just yet. Um, just a couple of uh, reminders. The books are in the hall. There's a one-way system through the hall. If you don't mind, wear your masks when you're going through or wherever there are bottlenecks. I've also been asked to announce this has all been about local history this evening, and there are two local history courses being run in Portumna this autumn and winter. One is in the workhouse. It's UL accredited. And the other one, not connected to UL, is run in Portumna Community School. John Joe Conwell is the coordinator, and John Joe is here, so if you want any more information, you'll get it from him thanks to John O'Donnell who provided uh, the lorry that we're standing on this evening another huge thanks to Scarif GAA and I'm going to call now uh, to finish off things this evening I am going to call on Alan Hogan and the Shannon folk uh, to lead us out with our on Naveen and just another lovely thank you to Tomas it's been a joy and a pleasure to be here this evening thank you all Fearful, as all the young again.